In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The practice of holding additional services on Wednesdays in Advent and Lent comes from a different practice, actually, called the Ember Days. Any of you heard of the Ember Days? Get a little, okay, you have to be an old-timer, you might remember it. Um, that was actually the historic Lutheran practice, both um, in Advent and Lent, and it would be three days of uh, fasting and prayer and catechetical focus. It was Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, um, once every quarter. While two of those quarters have fallen from use, the days were expanded, uh, the ones that began Advent and the ones that began Lent, to actually include the whole season of Lent, to which we have Wednesday catechetical services through Advent and Lent each year. There is actually a, an old shorthand to remember in Latin, but I'm not going to give you that. But uh, the three weeks where you would fast on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, along with going to church those three days and hearing instruction in the catechism and God's word, were the first week of Lent, the week of Pentecost, then the first week of Advent, which was St. Lucy's Day, and then the fourth was during the week of Holy Cross Day. So once every, every quarter, we would gather together three days, almost in a row, um, with fasting, with prayer, and with study of God's Word. That's where this comes from. Now this year, for our midweek catechetical services, we're going to focus on the life and ministry of St. John the Baptist, the one who was appointed by God to prepare the way for the promised Messiah, preparing the way for the promised Messiah by calling sinners to repentance, even though it ultimately ended with his martyrdom, just two weeks away. Advent, along with Lent, are penitential seasons in the church, times for repentance and for prayer and for fasting and well, a special focus on God's Word, as I said. Now, this theme of repentance, though, has gotten lost as Christ Mass has been moved from its historic 12 days of feasting in a row, now consuming everything from pretty much Thanksgiving until Christmas Eve, or maybe even Halloween to Christmas Eve in the secular observance. Probably even earlier if you went to Hobby Lobby, right? Christmas decorations out in July, probably. You might even see... Uh, on Christmas Day, after you come to church, already trees at the curb. And almost no one keeps their tree up till Epiphany, which is actually Christmas of the Gentiles, 12 days. And I think that this lack of the observance of a penitential season is part of why Christmas has lost its brilliance and luster for us. Because without confronting the darkness of sin, death, and hell in Advent, the salvation we have in Christ Jesus loses its contrast. It grows kind of gray in comparison. You might even suspect that it was by satanic design that we no longer take pains to, to fast and to pray and to study intensely before coming to Christ's Mass, or as we call it, the divine service. Satan will do whatever he can to diminish Christ Jesus, our day star, our morning star in our lives, in our homes, our churches, and our communities. Satan's glad to have the themes of sin and judgment and death shuffled off without any serious consideration. Whatever can distract us from Jesus, that will do the job, be it the, the sweets of materialistic consumerism or Hallmark-style 
sentimentalism, or just simply human traditions that fail to confess Christ. But God won't have it. He will be your God, and his Son is and will be your Messiah. Which means he will tear down whatever gets in the way of his coming, coming for you for the forgiveness of sins. We heard from the last prophet of the scriptures, the last of God's prophets to speak, Malachi, whose name actually means angel or messenger. And he gave a fearful warning before God shut up the prophets. Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Now that's serious, a serious way to start Advent. God telling us and sending us a prophet to warn us that we should take stock of ourselves and our lives, lest we burn up like in an oven or like stubble in the field. This is meant to cause us to fear the Lord, namely fear that comes from this word. For without God's word, we would neither know, trust, or fear him. Thus the prophet Malachi exhorted us, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with my statutes and judgments. In other words, remember the law of God, how it accuses and accuses and, well, never excuses. That's part of the prophetic task. That's what God sent his prophets and judges to do. God's word being preached and taught to accuse, convict, and expose sin, and also threatening punishment for that sin. But if that's all we heard from God, no promised gift, we'd have nothing to say or do. We'd all be left for dead. We'd be stuck in the mud, overwhelmed by the darkness and without hope. So again, this last prophet, Malachi, quickly added, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be as ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this. Well, there's good news. There's healing, strengthening, and victory in this one called the Son of Righteousness. Of course, we know who that is, Jesus. And that's the promise for you who fear the Lord. Not just judgment, but promise. Yes, so now we know there is judgment for the proud and the wicked, and that's coming. But we know that for those who fear the Lord, there is victorious salvation, those who fear the Lord's name. And we even know how that fear of the Lord's name is given. It's given by his holy word. So how about you? How can you be assured or confident that you are taken from the proud and the wicked who trust in themselves, and brought into the fear of the Lord to trust in him alone and to escape that coming judgment. Well, now we're back to the central job of historic Advent. Everything in this season is given to call you to repentance, but for faith in Jesus, for forgiveness. The key is, is that this cannot come from within you. As we confess in the creed, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. The proud and the wicked can't know Jesus. They don't even know that they're proud and wicked. What they need, 
is they need somebody like John, a preacher. Because without a preacher, without God's word proclaimed to them, extra nos, that means outside themselves, sinners can never know that they are in the darkness and in the shadow of death. They always think that there's some other or some God that will give them hope other than Jesus. So after the prophet messenger Malachi died, this was during the reforms under Nehemiah, well then God was silent. He didn't send another prophet. He didn't send another another prophet to speak his word from that year that he died, 397 B.C., until finally the focus for our Advent series, John the Baptist, 400 years later. So for all Judea knew, and the hill country surrounding it, they were on their own, left by God to fend for themselves. The glory of God had departed. Or so they thought, maybe, but of course this wasn't actually true. They had the word of the prophet, the final word from Malachi. The son of righteousness with hanging on his wings is coming. That was to be their central hope. So he said, Behold, same prophet, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And this prophet will come to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. God has promised them, even by that last prophet Malachi, one more prophet, Elijah who is to come to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins, for fathers to turn to their children and teach them again God's word, children again to turn to their fathers and to listen to this prophetic word. Preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins, for without forgiveness of sins, again, we would be cursed to the darkness. John's task, this Elijah who is to come, of calling sinners to repentance and faith in the coming Christ is seen in that closing phrase of Malachi 6. The day of utter destruction will come upon all who refuse to repent and trust in the righteousness that God has revealed in Christ. This is what you'll hear in the proper preface for Advent. That's the prayer that comes right after the preface. Just names, don't worry about it the longer seasonal prayer right before we receive the sacrament. The one for Advent says this, speaking of John the Baptist's preparation of the way of the Lord, by calling sinners to repentance that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he, Jesus, comes again in glory. To call sinners to repentance that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when Jesus comes again in glory. That's John's job, to warn you before the day call you to repentance and faith in Christ so that you will have nothing to fear. That's also Zechariah's song, the Benedictus, which we heard in our gospel text and also sang in paraphrase in our hymn. Looks back over Israel's history to the promises concerning Christ that were made to David and to Abraham and through all the utterances of the prophets, Malachi included. Then the song looked forward to what John would do to prepare the way for the Lord, chiefly by giving knowledge of salvation and the forgiveness of sins.
speaking of John's preaching of repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins, Luke 3. What we come to learn is actually this has been the work of the prophets all along. This is the basis of all of God's activity. In Israel's past, in the events of Luke chapter 1 with Elizabeth and Zechariah and Mary and the angel, even in our own day, the basis of all God's activity is his tender compassion. This is not the ordinary kind of mercy that uh, he would grant simply to not escape punishment or not have the worst happen to you. But when we heard to show mercy or tender compassion on his people, this is more than just that sustaining mercy that we have day to day. But this is his infinite and profound and limitless mercy from his innermost self seen in the sunrise or the day spring that dawns from on high, namely in his son Jesus. Again from Malachi 4, spoke of the Messiah as the son of righteousness. This is, Jesus is the revelation of God's deepest mercy and compassion as he comes to suffer and die to forgive sins, fulfilling the word of his cousin John. So the Old Testament ended with God's promise to send Elijah the prophet to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. It's actually most vivid in our gospel text today, the very passage referenced by the archangel Gabriel in the Annunciation to Zechariah, right before our gospel text. Did Zechariah believe the word of the angel when he said, your wife will conceive and bear a son? No, he didn't. As he was offering the daily prayers for Israel, and the incense was rising, Zechariah doubted that God would keep his promise. And hence, Zechariah's mouth was shut for his doubt until, of course, John was born. So the angel referred to this passage about turning the hearts from fathers to the children, hearts of children to their fathers, to be speaking of the hope of God that was in the promised Messiah that should have been on their hearts and minds those 400 years looking, watching, and waiting. Some were, Anna and Simeon, for example. The people who heard the news of John's birth and naming then said, what then will this child be? It seems they had probably even forgotten to look and to watch and to wait for Elijah who is to come, for John, who would foretell the way of Jesus. Of course, we don't need to wonder, for his identity, John's identity and role have already been set forth by him. He is fulfilling the word of that final prophet, Malachi. So while Zechariah was rendered mute for his unbelief of the angel's words, it was at his direction to name the child John. And when Zechariah did it, his lips were loosed and he sang the praises of God. And so with John's birth and naming, he begins his work as his father's heart is turned to repentant faith to recognize what God had begun to accomplish. So Zechariah was prepared for the coming Christ just as we are by John's preaching. And this preparatory task of Advent and John the Baptist is seen even as the, as the Christ child leaps in the womb at the presence of the coming one. John is the new Elijah, his task is to testify of Christ. Thus we 
We pray that we too would receive John's call to repentance this Advent tide and follow the way that he prepares, the Savior's way of forgiveness and life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.